This is episode number 156 with Sophia Amoruso of The Founder Podcast. Discover exactly what it takes to become a successful entrepreneur and what's possible through entrepreneurship from the greatest minds in business today. Welcome to The Founder Podcast. Here's your host, Nathan Chan. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan and I'm coming to you live from hometown, homegrown Melbourne, Australia and I am the CEO of Founder Magazine and also the host of The Founder Podcast where we interview some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation and hear their stories but most importantly understand their lessons and get their experience that they can share so you can learn from their mistakes and you can essentially level up very, very fast because that's one of the best things you can do is just learn from other people's lessons and not make the mistakes that they've learned. So let's talk about today's guest, uh, Sophia Amoruso. I was really pumped to share this one with you guys and really excited to have her on the show and also feature on the front cover of the magazine. Uh, So Sophia is the founder of a company called Nasty Gal. And, uh, you know, she's been in the media a lot Uh, She was at one point uh, one of the uh, youngest, uh, richest females in America. And then uh, through a series of events, unfortunately, learning a lot of hard lessons, uh, her company uh, had to uh, file for bankruptcy and they were sold. And essentially what happened next was uh, she created this awesome brand on the side anyways because she wrote this book called Girl Boss and it's just an absolute phenomenon, amazing brand, an amazing movement that she created while she was working on Nasty Gal and now she's just super focused on Girl Boss and uh, we talk about you know lessons learned, all the things that she wished she had have done, all the things that you know she would have changed going forward, and all the things that she's up to with Girlboss and building that as a media company now. And um, very, very interesting conversation. I really enjoyed this one. I know you guys are going to as well. Uh, if you are enjoying these episodes, please do take the time to leave us a review. It helps more than you can imagine. And also, um, as I've been saying over the last few episodes, please do let your friends know. I know that you're an entrepreneur or an aspiring entrepreneur or a novice entrepreneur or an experienced founder, and I know you must have other friends that are founders, so please do recommend this uh, show, these episodes, anything that really hits home for you. Uh, The more that you help spread the word, the more we can grow our movement of just really showing people what it takes to build and grow a successful business with real content, real experiences, real stories, no more hype, listicles, or rubbish like that. All right, guys, that's it from me. Now let's jump into the show. So the first question that I ask everyone that comes on is, how did you get your job? How did I get my job? Let's see. The only decent job I've ever had, I guess, I've made for myself. So I wrote a book called Girlboss and then started a podcast called Girlboss Radio and decided to start a company called Girlboss Media. And um, I guess that it's your nature of, doing that I made a job for myself awesome and like how, how did how did that that book come about I had started a company called Nasty Gal uh when I was 22 years old in 2006 as an eBay store and it was just this unexpected kind of overnight success 
I mean, I worked really hard, um, but it was also like an early time for e-commerce and, you know, left eBay, launched the website. I wrote a whole book about that. But as someone who was an unlikely entrepreneur, someone who is a community college dropout, who never thought I would be a business person, I found out that I really actually enjoyed business. And so, you know, Girlboss was, you know, I wanted to share my story and all of the things I did before I started the company where I really flailed and made a lot of mistakes and uh, to show girls like me who might find themselves in business, might want to start a business or, you know, may have stumbled into a business, but there really is no like one single way of coming into it and that there's no one type of person who is an entrepreneur and there's no specific education you need to have to become one. Mm, awesome. Yeah, look, I've read the book. My girlfriend's read the book. I love I love your story. Uh, it's it's a crazy story that you you've been on. Um, I I'm really curious because I I have a lot of female founder friends and you know the 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 connotation girl boss is being thrown around a lot now. And can you tell me um, you, you've started a movement? So can you tell me your your mission and why with the media company that you've now you've, you've now spun out of the book? So a girl boss is you know she's the boss of her own life. So it's not just about being the boss of other people. It's not just about you know it's not a, a literal term. A girl boss is someone who's in charge of her life and who's defining success for herself. So, you know, historically, I think success was defined for all of the rest of us by a few people. And we all kind of looked in that direction and aspired to that. Um, and it's someone who at, you know, point in my career, like filled that archetype, like, you know, know from experience that that's, it's really no different than, you know, being in the middle of building something, you know, being, you know, being at the top of it. So, Girlboss is a brand, uh, a media, you know, a media brand, really just a conversation that we're starting around reframing success together, but for every one of our readers or, you know, guests at our conferences to think for themselves and to define for themselves what success is. Mm. So can you tell me just some stories? Because um, I think our audience might find this interesting because, I, I, as I said, I've got many female founder friends. I've heard some crazy stories like what is the difference between, you know, and I don't want to go all feminist versus, you know, I, I don't want to go all feminism, but I'm just really curious. Like would you be able to share some stories like, you know, how how different is, is it being a female founder or, or, or a female, you know, trying to, you know, build a successful business or life? I never really thought there was much of a difference and that's, you know, and, and there's a bit of a, a privilege in being able to say that. I was also, you know, an only child and I was kind of raised like a boy in some ways. And I just never really, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't, you know, know what entrepreneurship was. I didn't, you know, know venture capitalists when I started my business. I think if I had known more, I would have, you know, that could have like been a hindrance to, you know, what I did. So being naive is sometimes a really great thing in terms of like being a woman, female entrepreneur, you know, it's like, I don't want to say phenomenon, but it's something that's become a lot more popular for women. And, you know, it gives you, gives you flexibility, but it also is a very demanding, you know, thing in your life. So, but what I have learned as a, I guess, quote unquote, female entrepreneur is that there's less of us. So there's less of us to point at when the media might be looking for someone to scrutinize 
everything that I've done over the course of my career in any other company is often like, you know, the course of doing business and never, you know, never really is heard about again. And because, you know, I'm a public female, you know, founder, everything that I do is put under a microscope in a way, you know, I'm happy to be a guinea pig for, you know, generations of female entrepreneurs after me, but it definitely can be distracting and sometimes feel a bit unfair. Mm. So can you talk to us around your strategies around building this media company? Um, how, like what's, what's the business model look like? Uh, do you know that yet? Or are you still working it out? Or I know you had that event. It looked like a real success. Yeah. So we had a conference in March uh, with 500 women and 50 speakers and uh, just the founder of Instagram was the one kind of male speaker. And then, you know, 25 female you know, founder and CEOs some amazing creatives and it was just like a, a day with like a lot of incredible energy and really great content and, you know, lessons from women who, you know, are career women, but also women who have started businesses probably, I mean, honestly, the conversation was very little, I think around necessarily being a woman. I think that it's kind of an inherent part of the conversation, but you know, what I learned on my book tour you know, I did the first one in 2014 and then the paperback in 2015, you know, these girls would come to the book events and they'd exchange business cards. And some of them have businesses, some of them don't, but they all have business cards. And our audience very much wants to connect with one another, to learn from one another, to be inspired by one another, and, you know, to learn from and be inspired by women who are doing things, you know, just a few steps ahead of where they'll soon be. There is a lot of publications and events for women um, that are just like the women on the stage. So Fortune's Most Powerful Women or you know, AOL's Makers, the people that attend those events already have incredible access. The Gold Boss Rally has speakers from events like that brought to an audience who can't spend $5,000 to attend a conference or won't because it's just not a smart thing to do. Yeah. So it's a new conversation to be had for, you know, the girl in her, in her twenties, who's uh, very much in the middle of, of building, you know, what is, you know, her, her career. Gotcha. So you do, do you guys think you'll do events at scale? Uh, I'm just really curious around, around your, your thought process around um, yeah, the monetization business model? Yeah, we'll be doing another event in New York later this year. How large it scales, I really don't know. It's something that, you know, as you know, you really want to test before you go all in for anything. So, you know, events and experiential uh, ways of, of, you know, being with our audience and having conversations is very much, you know, a, a place where, our content will live, um, but we're also publishing content uh, multiple times daily on goalbox.com. And beyond that, it's really, you know, I'm sitting here with, with four, four girls, um, in a like a live workspace in a residential building. Uh, so it's very, very, it's very early. There's not, you know, a whole lot more to say than that. Mm. Gotcha. I see. And 
One thing I'm curious about is is the brand. Like uh, I, I've no, I'm seeing a common theme. Like when you when you create Nasty Gals, really cool, edgy, funky branding. Now with this whole girl boss movement and and the the media company that you're building, it's really cool. What could our audience share from you from branding, which I think is really really strong? Do you have a do you have a rule book or like you know three yeah three three things or something that you could share? Gosh, yeah, you know, be memorable. So be unique and make something that is going to stick in people's heads. You want to, you know, you want to leave a mark very quickly and you have to stand out and you have to be clear on what it is that you're trying to say, you know, design a product or service that is inherently shareable. So if it's a physical product, make it something that, you know, people want to share a photograph of or that people want to take a photo of themselves wearing. If it's an, you know, it's an experience, like build something that people want to, take photos of or interact with um, and talk about. So just, you know, I think it's just like everything you do should have one, a purpose to exist, but also a reason for people to find themselves in the middle of it and want to share it with other people because that's the best marketing. Mm, I see. And how do you plan to grow the girl boss brand? It's just, or, you know, really organically, you know, we're publishing twice as much content as we were a few weeks ago, which is two stories a day. And, you know, it just that little, you know, that little change, you know, has, has, you know, dramatically increased our traffic numbers. So, you know, I have a, an amazing, you know, tiny team here. I'm hiring, you know, a couple executives to help me, you know, plan for the future, but really just doing what we do best, learning as we go, not building too fast because I've definitely done that before and measuring everything that we do. Gotcha. And are you guys funded? Do you plan on raising VC or are you going to stay bootstrapped for a long time? What are your thoughts on that model? I'm not really sure. You know, I, I'm not, and I don't want to raise a lot of money. I've done that before. And, you know, Nasty Gal, I bootstrapped it from, you know, a hundred bucks in my bank account to, you know, 28 million in revenue before I talked to investors how I did that. I mean, just looking back on that, it's like, it sounds, it seems impossible now that I'm actually trying to start a business. Um, but we, we injected $50 million into that company, you know, five years after it was founded, which was a real shock to the system. So I think, you know, if we do take investment, it'll be much more slowly and much, you know, with a lot more understanding of what I'm doing than I did when I was something uh, like 26 years old, rubbing two sticks together. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Um, for anyone that's running an e-commerce brand, uh, trying to grow it, uh, thoughts, uh, advice uh, that can help them from your experience to grow it? E-commerce is such a different world than it was when I started Nasty Gal. And I have to say that it is a very exciting thing not to have physical inventory for the first time after a decade. I mean, I would say just know like know your numbers, understand your inventory levels, um, inventories, you know, can strangle a business and have something that's really differentiated because there's just so much, there's so many, you know, fashion websites and, you know, it's so easy to start an e-commerce business now. So really spend some time on the back end, you know, deciding like what, what your brand is, what your brand stands for, what it looks like, why you exist, what is your product? Why are people going to love it? Uh, before you even go into market, I think 
you know, in 2006, you could show up and just be like, here, I have some stuff. And people might, you know, people would be like, oh, awesome. There's not that much stuff to buy on the internet. And today, you know, it's, it's very, very competitive. And, you know, every startup has, you know, a fully baked um, brand, you know, strategy creative before they even like open their Instagram account. So it's a very different world. And, you have to be a bit more buttoned up. Yeah, I see. And when, do you think it's more product or marketing? What do you think is more important? Um, I think it always has to start with your product. It's your product, but if your product is a commodity, it's something that is not the only one like it, your marketing becomes just as important. You know, if you have a, I mean, ideally you have a really differentiated product and, and, and something that people want to share um, and you're the only place to go to for it. If that's not the case, you have to augment, you know, what you're doing with how you present it and how you talk about it. So I'd say, depending on what you're doing, that can be a sliding scale. Hmm. Would you like, uh, would you be so kind to share some lessons, like your greatest lessons that you've learned as an entrepreneur so far uh, that you could pass down to our audience, some things that you might've done differently? Would you change anything? Um, would you, yeah, what, what do you wish you learned? Yeah. I mean, I wish, you know, grow, grow thoughtfully, you know, you know, have high aspirations, but have a really good plan on how you're going to get there. You know, I think we grew so fast that we were like pulling numbers out of the sky at one point, just deciding what next year's revenues would be, which you have to always do to some extent when you don't have a lot of history in your company. But, um, under promise and over deliver. And I mean, always keep your promise to the customer. I mean, that's number one. It's just like, see who you say you are and do what you say you're going to do. You can lose a lot of trust if that's not the case. One, one thing I keep hearing from you is, uh, patience. Um, that's one thing one of my mentors shared with me. He said to me that it takes seven to 10 years to build something of true worth and significance. And he always says to me, Nathan, be patient. And this is someone that's, you know, once runs one of the, you know, largest companies in Australia. And, uh, I keep hearing that from you. Do you wish, do you, do you think that millennials and people that are of our generation, you know, I'm 30, I think you're probably a similar age. Um, they want it now faster. Can't wait. Yeah, it's true. Um, and I'm still very much that way. And I've learned over time, you know, be good at one thing at a time. You know, don't try to do everything at once. You can't be great at everything all at once. You want to master, master things in phases. And, you know, focus is like your friends, you know. It's, yeah, you know, it's, it's so great to be super ambitious, but you can be over ambitious to the point of, distracting yourself and your company. And if you're that type of person, you have to really take a hard look in the mirror and make sure that you're not doing that to your people and to your business, because it can really frustrate your team and it can derail your progress. Mm. Let's talk about, we, are, we have to work, work towards wrapping up, but let's just quickly talk about leadership. What kind of leader are you? I'm a leader in progress. Gosh, you know, it's like, I think I used to be a very different kind of leader. I'm a leader who's a lot more deliberate in my leadership than I have been in the past. And that is very much through trial and error, but also through 
having some great advisors and coaches along the way. I'd say I'm nowhere near being like the level of leader that I'd like to be. And I feel so lucky to be able to start over in some ways with a small team and build a culture from day one intentionally, which I never thought about when I was 22 years old, um, which I think very few people probably would. Because if you don't tell a culture how it to be or, or, you know, influence a team on how to work together, it can be a very difficult situation for everybody. Uh, so that's like, a, it's, it's really exciting. I'd say, I'd say I'm, an, I'm an optimistic leader who has a lot to learn and who cares a lot. Mm. So do you think with your previous company, you know, what, 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 what could have you done differently as a leader? I think I could have been... I mean, with leadership, you know, you learn certain things. Like sometimes you have to say things over and over again for it to really settle into the culture. You know, it's not the same as having a conversation with somebody like outside of work where you you say something once and you just assume that it was heard. There's a lot of like trust and verify and also, you know, evangelizing what it is that you're doing over and over and over again, not letting people wonder what it is that you're building together. And even if you say it once, you can't expect that that it was heard. It's something that takes a lot of repetition. I'd say I would have hired a different kind of person. Um, I mean, I, our early team, I mean, the team at Nashville was amazing. You know, I think I, at 22, hired people that I wanted to, like, hang out with to a certain extent. Whereas with this company, I love hanging out with my team, but I'm hiring the best people for the job. First and foremost, I mean, it's been 11 years. Um, what else? I have any, I, that's like a book I need to write. And when that happens, um, I'll have taken the time to fully reflect on the last decade of my life. <laughs> yeah, um, you can come back on. Holy shit. Um, holy shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> Call me when I have time to think about it. <laughs> okay. Oh, good. So look, um, it's all good. Uh, so final question, because I found it interesting that you said uh, in the early days when you started Nasty Gal, you you hired people that you wanted to hang out with. And that's something that Tony Shea of Zappos is a big proponent of. He says, you know, you hire people that you, you would want to have a beer with. So you still, now you would hire the best talent, then the person you want to have like a beer with and hang out with or party with, or you could be, you know, a friend or, or what's your thoughts on that? Do you want to be friends with your staff? Obviously, you want, to, you want to enjoy the people that you work with. So I hire people that I enjoy being around, but I don't hire people to, like, be my party buddy. You know, it's like the job is first, the loyalty is to the company first for everybody on a team because when the loyalty becomes to, you know, I've, I've seen what, you know, people become, I mean, I want people here to be friends. Don't get me wrong. But there there's a, point of no return where relationships within a company can become more important to people than like the task at hand. And that can be a very challenging thing to manage. So I guess I hire people that I want to spend time with. Obviously I'm sitting at a table with five people right now. Um, <laughs> um, but it, I'm not hiring like my buddies or people because, you know, I like their shoes or something, you know, it's like, I think that there's like, 
the kind of person that I thought was my kind of person was very different when I was 22 than at, you know, I'll be 33 in three weeks. You know, you learn to evaluate people on a different set of criteria. You recruit more and work more with different types of people. Awesome. So last question uh, before we wrap up, well, two last questions. One, uh, best piece of advice that you would give to our audience of novice stage, aspiring founders, uh, some that will be super experienced, best piece of advice that you could give, you know, greatest lesson you've ever learned as an entrepreneur and a founder. And then the last one is, is the best place people can find you and your work. Piece of advice. Just don't compare yourself. You know, I like to say, don't compare your hustle to their highlight reel. Like don't compare yourself to other people. You have to be like your best. So, um, and where can you find me? Girlboss.com at Girlboss and at Sophia Amoruso. Awesome. Well, look, uh, thank you so much for your time, Sophia. It was a great conversation. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm really excited about this. The Founder Podcast has come to a close, but it's not time to sleep. It's time to hustle. Download the Richard Branson issue of Founder Magazine for free right now by visiting foundermag.com slash Branson. Again, that's an absolutely free download of the Richard Branson issue of Founder Magazine containing an exclusive interview with the man himself. It's only available at foundermag.com slash Branson. So download it now and we'll see you next time on the Founder Podcast.